This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey everybody, welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast, episode number 92, Tuesday. June 26th is when we're doing this podcast. Of course, it's always brought to us by the great people at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app and you can make some money on the great betting lines they have on the app. Now, baseball, golf, you got uh, uh, a lot of stuff coming up. Football futures, all that good stuff is coming up on the Bet Rivers app. So don't forget to download it and uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. So you do is uh, hit a button and subscribe for free. Coming up in this episode, it'll be interesting because we haven't had these guys on uh, the podcast yet. Uh, Jason Martinez, my old producer at uh, 97.5 The Fanatic, and Harry Mays, my old co-worker and colleague there, they do a podcast together, and they're doing like a 100 different little things. So we'll talk to them about uh, what they're doing and, of course, radio, uh, sports talk radio in general uh, these days, and of course, Mertidis is Mr. Flyer, so we'll get some information on the draft, which the NHL draft is tomorrow, and, and the Flyers look like they're between two right wingers that they're going to select, so we'll talk to those guys about that, uh, but let's start off the podcast with uh, what we always do uh, in starting off the podcast. It's called The Current. We go over some current things that are happening in Philadelphia sports. Let's start with the Phillies. They are 40-37. They're 10 and a half back at the Braves. Again, I've been telling you, don't even worry about the Braves. Uh, they are three back of the Dodgers for the last wild card spot. They start a three-game series tonight in Chicago against the Cubs. And then they're home three with the Nationals. And then three on the road at Tampa Bay. And three at the Marlins. Six very important games on the road coming up for the Phillies. All right. Let's talk about the good, first of all. Um, the good is the starting rotation has leveled off. I'll give you some numbers here. The Phillies ERA, their starting pitching ERA in 20 games since July 3rd is 2.09. I'll take that any day of the week. And what has happened is the three and four guys have really solidified them. Pitchers, starting pitchers for the Phillies have completed six innings in 14 of the last 20 games, and they've gone at least seven innings in six of those games. What does that do? Well, it keeps you in the game, obviously, but also it rests your bullpen. You don't have to overtax them. And that was a problem earlier this year. So that has leveled off a little bit. It's really helped the Phillies. But let's talk about two particular guys, number three, number four, Ranger Suarez, Taiwan Walker. Combined in the last four starts, Suarez, 1.04 ERA. Walker, out of the blue, because he's uh, using the splitter less and using the cutter more, 0.69 ERA for Taiwan Walker. And yet, here comes the bad. They have actually dropped in the power rankings in the most recent The Athletic poll. I I don't know how that's possible, but uh, let me go over the power rankings right now. They were higher a couple weeks ago. Suddenly, they've dropped to 10th spot. Here's the way it works in baseball right now in the power rankings. Braves, Rays, Rangers, Orioles, Diamondbacks are your top five. Now you got the Rangers, Orioles, Diamondbacks in that top five. Very surprising. The surprising Giants are sixth. The Dodgers, seven. The ultra-surprising Cincinnati Reds at eight. The Marlins at nine. And the Phillies at ten. So um, the Phils are behind a couple of teams here. When we look at the wild card situation where, you know, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Marlins are all going to be in uh, that uh, that package. So uh, they've got to they've got to continue to win games and an inch up there because, you know, this team misses the playoffs. It really would be a a sad state of affairs. They they come into this year with such enthusiasm. And uh, if they miss the playoffs, that's really going to be a. uh, trouble for fans in this in this town. Um, one side note, 
And then we're going to go back and look at Sunday's game uh, because I started to ponder, not that I feel sorry for the Mets fans, but I kind of do. To follow a team like the Mets is an exercise in angst. Uh, and and we'll we'll prove that by looking at Sunday's game and the eighth inning. Um, but one side note on the Phillies, it's kind of disturbing me. I know a lot of people like this. They like emotion in players. Bryce Harper's losing his mind. Bryce Harper is freaking out, throwing stuff, bats, cracking helmets. And I, I go, dude, you're too good of a player to be wasting energy doing that kind of nonsense. So I don't like it, and I know people go, yeah, that's great, he shows emotion. I don't think it is for a great player. I don't think a great player cracks and shows that kind of emotion. I think it's bad form. I think you're losing your mind a little bit. I think you got to believe in yourself as a great player, set an example of not being exasperated and frustrated because that rubs off on other players. All right, that's just my editorial statement for Bryce Harper. So let's look back at the Mets game on Sunday. All right, <laughs> I wrote this down, and we got because we're going to go over it letter by letter here. Uh, the Mets are just—they're uh, <laughs> always laughable. The, the way you know, they're highest payroll in baseball, three hundred fifty million dollars. They play like little leaguers half the time. They've got a bullpen where they bring in guys that should be in the big leagues, trying trying to nail down a game against a, a, a pretty good team in their division. So, so here's the way it works: Alonzo, it's a home run to right field. And I'm watching the game. I'm like, ah, the Mets win this series. They'll take two or three here. Because it's six to three in the seventh. Now we get to the bottom of the eighth. It's still six to three. Buck Showalter does not want to use his best relievers. He's only got three out there, right? So so he, he in his head, this is why managers make you trade crazy. Ottavino and Robertson are his best relievers. He wants to stay away from them. Ottavino, three pitches on Saturday. Eight. He doesn't want to use them on Sunday. Robertson threw 11 pitches. He doesn't want to use them. So he uses uh, uh, Josh Walker, a lefty, uh, who wears number 91. Now, what does that tell you right out of the shoot? The eighth inning, you use the guy number 91, means he wasn't with the team at the start of the year, and he's a minor leaguer. And you're going to bring him in in the eighth inning against his Philly lineup. Uh, okay, so here's what happens. He walks Harper. Um, he, uh, Real Mudo singles. Still no harm, right? Now, Showalter's thinking, all right, at least I bring a lefty in. There's two left-handed batters here. He's got a face of the three first hitters. Uh, Harper, he walks. Real Mudo singles. Here comes Stott. And he walks Stott. So, so he craps the bed with the two lefties that he's brought in for because he wears number 91. All right, so Buck says, all right, I got to get, get him out. He brings in a guy named Jeff Brigham. Um, another guy wasn't with the team. Or earlier this year, he brings him in. Here's what happens. Baum hits a feeble ground ball towards the third baseman. Beatty, who goes to his left to cut the ball off, that's the fundamental play, can't get it out of his glove, panics, throws it wild. All right? <laughs> Error. Okay, he muffs it. Should have been a double play, really. Um, he then walks Marsh. He strikes out Cody Clemens. I don't know how that happened, but he strikes out Cody Clemens. And then hits Schwarber. And it hits Turner. Phillies are up seven to six. Now, if you root for that team, you go, what in the F? How, how could these, this team take me down the path year after year after year after year? The Mets going to Met. And I, I, I literally feel sorry for them. Not only do they have the Yankees to deal with in New York and all that superiority, but now they, they're like the Bad News Bears spending $350 million in payroll. So, Darren, let me bring you in here. You saw the game like everybody else. You laugh when you watch something like that. I did. I laughed a lot. Uh, it's just amazing to me. Managers start, try to outsmart themselves. I couldn't believe these guys he was bringing in. The Mets needed that game. That wasn't just one out of 162. Like, they really needed that game. And, to, for I mean, Showalter just blew it. By the way, with, with Harper, though, I think people need to realize that he came back from Tommy John surgery three months early. Three months. He's not going to have the bat speed. He's not going to have the power. It's going to take him a while. So I understand him getting pissed off at himself. Or What's that, what good does that do? What good does that do? The frustration. What throwing a helmet or a bat when you're a great player? What is that? What example does that set? I, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. You know, saying he was right in that. I'm just saying. I think the fans need to. Be you know, listen, somebody can throw a bat and a helmet. It can't be Harper. 
He's the best player in the team. You can't you can't show that kind of frustration, to everybody. All right. Uh, so here's the thing about the Mets. You know, I, I understand what Buck Schollard is thinking, right? He can't use three guys every game because that's all he's got. How does he only have three guys? How does he only have three guys in his bullpen? That's the big question. The guy spent $350 million. They're bringing in guys that were number 91, for Christ's sake. All right. Anyway, that's that's the Phillies for today. Let's look at the Sixers, and the saga of Harden goes on. But it looks like a trade was made in the NBA today. Uh, the reports saw that Damian Lillard, the whiningest bastard I have ever heard in my life over the last uh, month or so, finally going to get his way. Finally, going to talk his way out of Portland after wanting to stay there and not wanting to win for all these years. Uh, now the the writing's on the wall. Portland wants to rebuild, so they apparently are going to send him to the Miami Heat in a trade. And we'll see how all this shakes out, how they're going to do this, because the Heat are really in financial trouble. So I don't know how this is going to shake out, but it makes the Heat a little better. Uh, does it make him better than the Sixers? I, I don't think so. So we'll, we'll just have to see about that. Now, the, the, the saga of James Harden continues. Um, it looks like he's going to opt out. He has to opt out by the end of the week. And no surprise there. The surprise is whether he's going to get uh, a, a big deal. Um, not a max deal. I don't think anybody's giving him a max deal. And the hope is that the Sixers could sign him to a lesser deal, which I think they can. I think the market for a max deal for James Harden is not out there, not even with the Houston Rockets. So I believe that he will be back. It's just a matter of time where they work out a contract. He's a free agent for a little bit. He opts out. He's dangling out there. Anybody could take a shot at him. Nobody really wants to. So uh, what's his best offer? The best offer is going to be with the Sixers. At least he plays with a team that can win, and he'll get maybe a two-, three-year contract at lesser price. So what, is he going to do better than that? I don't think so. Um, so that's, uh, that's that. Uh, if he does sign somewhere else, here are some possibilities. Fred Van Vliet, but they're going to have to trade Tobias to make room for that, and I don't know if that helps the Sixers with two six-two guards in the backcourt. Uh, who may be a little def defensively deficient. So I don't think Van Vliet is coming here because of the salary. You're not going to trade Tobias Harris and move that salary out of there just so they can sign Fred Van Vliet. Gabe Vincent, cheap depth, not bad. They could sign him at cheap depth. Dennis Schroeder, they could sign him at cheap depth. And uh, Patrick Beverly, I know he's nuts. I, not, I don't want any part of him, but uh, he'll at least bring uh, some toughness. But the uh, Listen, if they have to settle for what I just told you, <laughs> they're not winning anything. All right, Fred, even Fred Van Vliet's not going to make them a winner. And as much as I hate Harden, Harden's going to produce more than Fred Van Vliet is. Uh, all right, there's your Sixers report for today in the current. Let's look at the Flyers. I'm talking a lot about the Flyers lately. Uh, it's interesting because uh, <laughs> they're making news, but they're not making news. Like, they're making news... But, like, it's not about the team improving. It's about going Sam Hinkie-esque. So, uh, so here, here's the NHL draft is tomorrow. And, again, we're going to get more insight from, from Jason Martinez uh, coming up soon. There were two deals that they wanted to make. One involved Hayes and Sanheim to St. Louis. And the guy wouldn't waive his no-trade clause. So they're still working, trying to work on that. And then Tony D'Angelo was a, a brilliant signing by Cliff Fletcher. Not Cliff Fletcher. Uh, what, what's Fletcher? Chuck Fletcher. Chuck. Cliff was his father. Uh, Chuck, Chuck Fletcher. Um, and they were uh, going to um, try to move him to uh, the Hurricanes. But Fletcher had signed into a deal as a free agent, and the bylaws prevent him being traded when the Flyers take on some salary, and the Flyers have to take on 50% of his salary to move him to the Hurricanes. So that's uh, uh, being bandied around by the league. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, again, Low-level uh, news that's not going to make the Flyers a contender. They're trying to break it all down. Uh, so the NHL draft tomorrow. It looks like a pair of right-wingers are in play. Ryan Leonard is the kid that's uh, played at BC. He's uh, playing with the U.S. The development team right now. And then the one they really covet is the Russian. Right-wing uh, Matvey Mishkov uh, playing for SKA in St. Petersburg. Um, listen, these guys are drafted. He's players. ineligible to play, Mike, till like twenty twenty six. Yeah, so it's rush. not these guys aren't. It's not like the NBA draft where you grab a guy, you're going to step into the lineup. So again, who knows with the Flyers? They're making news, but they're not really making news. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a special part of the Mike Missinelli podcast today as we bring in two guys that are uh, a part of, of course, my professional life, and they're still doing it. They had a show together on 97.5 The Fanatic. They still have a show together, a podcast called All G's, plus they do a hundred other little shows. I, these guys are the busiest people in show business. It's the great Jason Martinez and Harry Mays with us today. Hello, fellas. <laughs> Hey, Mike, great to be with you. Great to be with you. <laughs> we'll rock your calls. 610. <laughs> We're already uh, doing invitations, which was yeah. uh, you know, one of his favorite things to do, uh, Jason. That's my producer. Um, uh, so what was, the, what was your favorite one to do? Anthony. I still do them all the time. My kids are like, what are you doing? Like, I just yeah. constantly go into Anthony all the time because – He's such a character, you know. Oh, it's beautiful when you're on. Like we're at the shore, so I'm at the boardwalk, and I, my daughter sees a sweatshirt. It's a beautiful sweatshirt, <laughs> you know. It just I just can't stop it. I'm addicted well, but, to it. But Brokaw was your favorite, though. You love, you yeah. Love, you love your Tom Brokaw, right? I haven't done. I haven't gone to the Situation Room in a long time. But yeah, I mean, Brokaw, I don't even remember how to do him, to be honest with you. Tom, Tom oh, Brokaw, I remember just, he, nightly, yeah. he always runs out of air. Nightly <laughs> news. <laughs> and he couldn't say ours. Let's track the history of you two gentlemen, first of all. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, so let's go back. All right. Now, now Jason, um, you were my producer for how many years? I think it was like six and change. I want to say it was a long time. You were a pretty good producer too, man. I got to be honest with you. You're pretty good. You took a lot of my crap and, and, and you, and you were like unfed. I got, I got nothing to talk about today. I don't worry about it. I got it. Uh, you would do stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you go, uh, you become an on air guy and you, you wind up working with Harry. So like, give me uh, both of you guys. Give me, give me the, uh, give me your radio history as far as being on the air. Well, well you and I, I mean, I started in state college um, at Penn State doing rock radio and then came here to do rock radio for WYSP and then ended up as a voice guy at WIP in the early no, I remember 2000s. you as a voice guy. You used to come in. You, yeah. It's like you and Anthony back in the day were all you tatted up, all pierced up, you <laughs> yeah. know, like frightening looking dudes. <laughs> yeah. So I used to come into WIP because Bigby had that, his like fourth you know, bypass. So I came in and became the voice guy, voice commercials with Harry Bickhart. <laughs> oh, I remember him. <laughs> I remember Harry. He was a teamster. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so I did that. And then that's where, you know, I started doing some on-air stuff at WIP, obviously. And then I went into management there and then I got canned and then came over to the Fanatic and Kind of, you know, did the show with you, Mike, for many years when I first got there. And then Harry and I did the show. And then Anthony and I did the show. And then I became another Headstones in the Cudge Graveyard. <laughs> That's right, a now, populated place, by the way. Now, now Harry, see, I lose yeah. track of, like, chronologically this. But you were with the station before I was, uh, when right. WPEN. Uh, so, like, uh, and you didn't really start out as a broadcast. You kind of were in sales, and then you moved into broadcast. And all of a sudden, you're doing the, the morning show with a couple of guys. So uh, trace that for me. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I started, you know, getting interested in this by listening to guys like you, uh, you know, back in the 90s and driving around selling medical devices and, and all kinds of different stuff. And I'm like, man, that sounds like a fun way to make a living. So I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting, which was one of the advertisers on WIP. WI pay at the time and went through that, started making tapes, sending them around, got hired by a station in Clemson, South Carolina. But the guy told me you're going to sell and do a show. And I said, screw that. I just want to do a radio show. I don't want to be selling too. I'm like, I want to focus on the show. So I got hired up in um, the Lehigh Valley hired. And I put that in air quotes because it was no money at first. It was just doing a show with a guy that I went to CSB with who was getting paid some nominal fee. And I'd run up there every Wednesday after I was doing my day job and do a show with him for three hours. And that became two days a week because they liked what we were doing. Then they finally found some money to start paying me, at least my gas money. And um, that grew into five days a week and doing Lehigh football games on the weekends. And gradually I started to you know, sort of get a foothold where I'm like, you know, I'm going to leave the, re the other world and I want to go, I want to dive in the deep end with radio. 
And I was able to do that uh, only because I don't have any kids and I wasn't married at the time. I had really no encumbrances. I sold my Harley Davidson. I sold my house, you know, and moved into some crappy apartment because I wanted to be Mike Missinelli. And uh, I ended up getting a, seeing a, one day I'm getting prepping for a show on a Friday at a car dealership in Lehigh Valley. And I see the Daily News, which I'd go through for prep. And there's a picture of Jody Mack and a, a small little column saying that 950 you know, going sports or something like that. And I read the article. I'm like, man, there's going to be another station because I couldn't get in at WIP. I had tried to be a sales guy there and go from sales to the other side. And Mr. Bigby, who you referenced, was he was not about that. Like you're you're a sales guy. You stay over there. You leave my guys alone. (laughs) I'm the intermediary and you're never getting over there. You're never climbing that wall. So I had to do another route. So I see this article and I'm like this. It mentioned Bob DeBloy as the general manager. So I went Mr. Sales Guy and I found Bob DeBloy. I got him on the phone and I said, I'm coming in to bring you lunch. We need to talk about this this opportunity on the radio because I think I can help you out. And I got in to see him. I brought him a pizza and I brought him my tapes and he's telling me about the station. I swear to God, Mike, this is the way it went down. He's going through the day parts. Yeah, we're going to start out with uh, Tony Bruno or, or no, uh, Steve Zabin in the morning on a national show coming out of whatever city, I don't know, D.C. or whatever. And then we're going to go to Tony Bruno and he's going to be out in L.A. doing a show and then Jim Rome. And then we get to Jody Mack by three o'clock. And I said, wait a second, you're not going to go Philly until three in the afternoon. I said, you're going to be flipping formats in nine months and it's going to be Spanish radio (laughs) with all due respect. I gave him a Mikey miss with all due respect. And he looked at me like I had eight heads and I said, here, have another slice of pizza. Here's my tape. I can help you because you need at least an update guy in the morning, starting at 6 a.m. every 20 minutes, given a two minute, three minute spiel on what happened locally, or you're going to die. And four days later, he called me back and he said, can you do it for twelve fifty an hour to start? And I said, I'm your guy. Done. And that's how I got in. Wow. That's a pretty good story. And, and we, yeah, we I would have preferred show. the Cliff Notes version, Harry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Long story, but hey, who were the guys that you started with that morning show with? Who, were, who was on? Okay, they won a contest, well, right? Jamie Yannicone was the guy who yeah. won the contest. And then Rob Ellis and me. We started actually at night after Jody Mack. And because then they had Glenn Foley in the morning with yeah. Meredith Morakovitz and Michael Bradley. Yeah, they were the roots of, of WPEN. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and you know what's funny about that story? It, it describes early humble roots. You know, these kids come out of college these days and they think they know sports and they think they should go on the air. Like it, <laughs> you know, it's amazing yeah. to me. Like they're entitled to go on the air, talk sports in a major market. Like they have, right. they have absolutely no road to, to follow at all. They want to be stars right away. So they how think the job is knowing people's up- batting averages, Mike. That's not yeah. the job. The job is entertaining. How the, the industry has changed. We'll talk about it in a second. But how did you guys uh, get paired together to do the show? I knew Harry. You were working with Tony. Who, uh, I was working with everybody. You, yeah, you were. You and Tony had the show. <laughs> I literally at that time thought Tony was was just insane. I really do, and, right. and, and I think he still is. But but in any event, you you do the show with him, and then it comes to the, the Jason part, right? Well, yeah, it was me and Baldy at ten to noon, and then Tony and me twelve to two. It was like a I had to do two different shows basically in, wow. in the same day, and then it became Rob Ellis was my partner for a couple for about two years, Jason, yeah, and three. then somehow you got in there. Yeah, when when Mike went out with the back. Oh, that's right. I, I was I was on the shelf, and then and you guys filled in. Yeah, and then you mm-hmm. got your your own show. Yeah, the, the, it was probably worked. about a okay. year later after you got back yeah. that that happened. But and then the Hagen got fired right when we started, or fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah he got. There, there was a lot of turmoil with changing <laughs> changing program directors and such. Uh, all right, so uh, but I thought you guys worked well together, and and like uh, there are a lot of unfair stories in this business on how people get moved out, and uh, it's usually done by people who don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Uh, in management, so um, that, that's basically what what happens there. Uh, but but Jason, when you were producing me, because a lot of people say, "Oh my God, how could you work with him? He must be tough on you guys." Blah blah blah. And I guess I am, but uh, you got me right. You you figured out what made me tick. What was it? Well, I knew you before, so I knew you in a different iteration where I was in management and you were talent. So it was probably a different dynamic between you and I than you have with Marks and when you have with Brace. But yeah, I mean, 
I approached it from a different angle than they did. So, you know, working with you, I just felt, always felt like we did good radio. Like, you know, we went in and if we had to manufacture stuff, we could manufacture. If we didn't have to manufacture, you stayed in the lane and did the right thing. So I, I always thought we did really good radio. And, you know, what I brought to you, it was an area that that helped you and, and you appreciated it and took it. And I just thought we worked well together. And, um, and the show, the four hours we were on the air, I thought, you know, we did some really fun stuff. My, my, my approach to working with you, Mike, was always to soften you in a way because you're the litigator, right? And you want to argue and debate. So my way, my approach with you was to soften that and make, and help you have fun. But you always had the pop culture stuff and different angles and things. But my job was to bring even more of that out of you. And I think that- uh, what, what trouble did I get into when you were producing me? You tried to fight Josh Ennis. Um, that was one. <laughs> That's right. You were, you were producing that. Yep, that yep, yep. You, uh, you tried to take a swing. Um, yeah, he I, ran. I like, he, he ran behind uh, Derek Boyko. Like, uh, first of all, he's like six four, two eighty. Yeah, and he tra- and he tried he to come up to me at an Eagles practice, uh, <laughs> like after ripping me personally, and uh, I mean, you know, I, it's, it's stuff on the air that really uh, was, went over was the line. Appropriate. Yeah, so uh, he came over, tried to shake my hand. I go, "You got a lot of nerve trying to shake my hand. I don't know anything to do with you. Get out of my face." And he goes, "Well, come on, man. It's only radio." And then it's it started on from there, and I charged at him, and he ran. He literally ran behind yeah. Derek Boyko. And it was video uh, of and, it, and too. Like, yeah, okay, you want to say something, now say it. You know, that's, yeah. that's the way I always approach stuff. Uh, but, uh, okay, so uh, in, in any event, what uh, what had then happened at the station? Well, I mean, it was at that time, it was, you know, we were just doing everything we could to keep this, to grow the station to the next level. I think the station had a lot of momentum then, Mike. Mm-hmm. And then the station lost its compass. You know what I mean? The station start. The station was an alternative to WIP, and I think that's why it was doing well. You know, we were not your dad's sports radio, but then all of a sudden, you know, when Hagen gets fired and things like that, it started to become let's imitate WIP, and I thought that was the wrong approach, and that's when the station I think lost its compass, and. And that's unfortunate because I think it had a good foothold and we were right there. We were beating them in some monthlies and prime day parts and all of that stuff. And and the station just kind of lost its way, you know, and then, you know, Eric Johnson came in and it didn't want us to play our own return music. And that may seem like a really small thing, but it wasn't. That wasn't a big decision and a bad decision. And it became uniform and cookie cutter and repetitive and, and all of a sudden, the Fanatic was not this young, hip version. And that was where I think the station took a bad turn. And now you look at it, and, you know, I've said this to Harry, just because they're on the radio doesn't mean people are listening to them on the radio. If I'm the Fanatic, here's what I do. I go, okay, I'm not worried about the live audience anymore. I become an on-demand station where everything is about on-demand. I programmed to on-demand because you're never going to compete with this podcast and all the other good podcasts out there if you're trying to do radio. And that's the future. Get ahead of it. They have nothing to lose. They have no ratings. I don't know what they have for revenue. I don't give a shit. But play the long game and go in a different direction because imitating WIP is not working. It's not going uh, all right, to work. So, so let me ask both of you this question. Then. What, what do you think uh, of the state of Sports Talk Radio uh, in general uh, now uh, <laughs> Now that it's so changed? I mean, Angela's gone. I'm gone. It, 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 it looks like so long ago when Sports Talk Radio was in a peak. What, what do you feel about it now? I declared it dead, I think, eight years ago on the air. On the on sports radio, on he the declared air. it dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gave it its last rights back in about twenty fifteen. And why why do you why is that? Talent I got lack bored of talent? What is it? Well, I I just I just got bored with the whole, you know, call, 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 Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. It got boring for me. And when I when I it used to be where I was engaged every day coming in there. And, you know, I'd do like little bits if I, you know, want thought of stuff. And it, it was kind of went a little bit off the path. And that's what I thought was fun about it, sort of creating stuff as it happens. And it got to be so no, you can't do it. Get back to this. Get back to the where I was just like it blew, you know, I I was just out of it. And I just, to me, it was it died back then, and I was just sort of like, 
you know, going to the funeral for the next three or four years until I finally left. Well, Jason, when you look back, I mean, you obviously you were uh, in on the like ground floor when the Angelo uh, part started and then we all gravitated to Sports Talk Radio and it was a pretty good run there. It was. What changed? PPM. PPM changed it. I, I firmly believe that when they That's brought the in rating. The- yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the rating meters. Yeah, when they went from a diary out. world, Mike, to PPM, that's when the, the format became incredibly repetitive. And micromanaged. Yeah, because yeah. It, it was the truth meter You know, you saw when people tuned in and tuned out. Before, in the, in the diary world, if you just were a great entertainer, people wrote your name down and then just drew a line from 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock when you were on the air and you were good to go. But I filled out one or two of those. Yeah, back in the, day. the PPM yeah. I think changed a lot, and you know there were guys that I mean, for some people PPM helped, and because you know it wasn't just about name, but it was about quality of content. So like guys like you and Angelo did really well in PPM as well. You did well in Diary, but that's where the format became really repetitive, and you know prohibited guys like you from stretching your legs a little bit more sometimes too. So I, I think that was a big part of it. And then you got these hot take clowns, you know, that just come on and say outlandish shit like Joe Giglio and, you know, th- that kind of stuff. Like, to me, that's disingenuous. You know, you're lying to me. You don't believe Gabe Kapler is the best manager, you know, blah, 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 whatever, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah. so I think that uh, was yeah, a big so part. Yeah, so now there's the new, the new morning guy that replaced Angela. I know you let, you did a lot of imitations of him. So get, like, can you give me one? Yeah, well, the camera's in mornings now, but like, Yo, great to be with you, 6 a.m. Like, could you imagine waking up with him? 6 a.m., we'll rock your calls. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, and then John Ritchie's like, hey, Joe, how you doing? <laughs> you know, but I, I mean, that's the Yeah, the, the landscape has changed, my friends. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I before it was, Edge, how are you? Well, welcome to the show. <laughs> ow, ow. <laughs> Listen, I, I still think if you're entertaining and you do hot things, but you and you 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 figure out how to entertain, you still it's still fine. I, like so, I I just don't think there's enough people to know how to entertain. Uh, I agree for four hours, and, mm-hmm. and that's what I think has been filtered out. We figured out a way to do it, and uh, these these kids that come along don't don't know how to do it. So, but uh, it's not easy, me, it's Mike. It goes boring. back to like God rest his soul, Bernie from Brumall. Like what you were able to accomplish with a guy like Bernie from Brumall, like he became a, like he was a fucking star, right? Yeah, it's a shame. I went to his uh, I went to his service and I wrote a little eulogy out uh, for him. But yeah, th- those days were uh, memorable to, to have guys yeah. like that. And the way you used to mess with them, oh. you used to always say, I'm going to hell. And he uh-huh. used to give phony, phony phone call to a guy and he didn't know what, what was up. What, uh, and now I think about it, I go, wow, my God, the guy's passed away. And, and Jason had fun with him, or humiliated him for 10 years straight. But the thing is, is he loved it. Yeah, That's why did. I'm not going to hell. When I have to I explain it to our Lord Jesus Christ at the pearly gates, Mike, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say, bring Bernie up here. And he, he loved yeah, I'll get it. it. Yep. Yeah, he did. He'll explain to you uh, it was fun. All right, so tell me about the podcast, oh, geez, and, and what people uh, uh, expect to hear. And how many times you do it a week? Go ahead, Harry. Well, we only do it once a week. Okay. If if there's something really pressing, you know, we would do an extra episode. But as of right now, you know, this is the doldrums of, yes. you know, the sports scene. So uh, it's once a week and it's usually like whenever we can sort of get our schedules together. There's no set time. It's not every Wednesday at two in the afternoon or whatever. And, uh, you know, pretty much we come together. There's no plan. Sometimes there's a guest, but not often. Uh, and we just sort of go. We talk about, you know, Philly sports, national sports, pop culture, music, uh, you know, movies, TV shows that we're watching. Just it was it's kind of like a little 40 minute version of the Mike Missinelli show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I do that on this podcast, too, because I think that's uh, people remember that stuff more than anything else. Yeah. Now, Jason, you got like 100 flyer little podcast you're doing, right? Like, what, what, what do you do? I can't keep up with you. What, what, yeah. And you're you're covering the NHL draft. I want to hit on the NHL draft. Have, you know, we have an expert here. I've used up my my quota of flyer talk in the first segment of this show. So. I want to get your your spin on the draft and what they're doing, all this stuff. But uh, tell me what you're doing podcast-wise. Well, I mean, since I got fired from the radio, I, I began working for the team. I'm a contracted employee, so I do their daily podcast. This time of year, it's only three days a week. But during the season, you know, from September thank 1st God. to the end, it's literally <laughs> daily. Yeah, thank God it's right here. Three times a week? 
Flyer podcast? What in the do you season. talk about? <laughs> I, I taped a lot of interviews on Exit Day, Hash. <laughs> well, oh there actually God. been stuff this offseason because they, they've turned over so much. But I, I, mean, I think it's Sinai Castle in the second week. Yeah. Anyway, it, got- <laughs> it's not ideal. Let's just say that. We got the hound, Bob Kelly, coming <laughs> off. <laughs> but um, so I do that, and then uh, I have my stick Gary to hockey Dornhofer live. in five minutes. <laughs> oh, Dorney. Uh- he can barely walk these days. His hips oh, and knees are, are shot. <laughs> but um, and then I do stick to hockey live once a week this time of year during the season. Uh-huh. I'll do that three times a week. It's live streamed, and then I do an F one show as well. So, yeah, he's into Formula One. Wow. Yeah, yeah, dude. I got into God that man. You. You're keeping busy. Uh, yeah. uh, all right, so uh, let's <laughs> let me get your uh, the, what are what are flyers doing right now? Like, yeah. I, it's a new. It's funny because they they brought X Flyers in, but it's not the old guard X Flyers. It's the new guard X Flyers now that are running the ship. Is that a good thing? Well, we'll see. I'm, you know, I, I've always been so impressed with Danny Briere. He went back to school. He went to the Wharton School of Business. You know, he's a guy that made like sixty five million. He went back to school to prepare for this and went through the ECHL and all those teams. So. You know, ultimately, what we'll decide if they're the right people are results, and it's not not easy in today's NHL because you got 32 teams. I mean, you have 280 players in the league that wouldn't have been in the league 15 years ago, and you got to have depth to win. So, um, I think the combination of him and Jonesy, and I know I think you had Jonesy on, didn't you? Yes, we did have Jonesy on. Yeah, you know, listen, I, 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 there's not a guy on this earth that cannot like Jonesy. Yeah, no. and I I hope he's got the the right stuff to see the vision here through this. Yeah. Uh, and I again I know Flyer fans like to jump on board quickly, uh, but this is going to take a while for me to determine whether this is going in the right direction. Yeah, and look, they, they're taking the right tack. They're, they they got rid of Proveroff. The, there's some trades in the works. Kevin Hayes is going to be gone. He's going to be a St. Louis Blue by tomorrow night. Uh, probably Travis Sanheim's either going to be in St. Louis or he's going to be in Boston, maybe Winnipeg. Um, they're making a lot of deals to get a lot of, you know, assets to to rebuild this thing as quickly as possible, but do it properly. So, I mean, Jonesy, the thing about him, though, Mike, is, you know, everybody thinks of Jonesy. He's fart jokes and funny and aloof. But, man, he is as smart as they get. He is one. He, it, it's Yeah, I, 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 yeah I, I appreciate the fact that he's a, a hockey, a, could be a hard, smart hockey guy. So in the draft, can, can the if Flyers get high enough to get Victor Wimbayana? <laughs> but one bayon is gone. <laughs> How about Scoot Henderson? Can they can they get into that area where they can get Scoot Henderson? When <laughs> bayon, I mean, that'd be no, a no. nice wingspan up front. <laughs> no, I mean the, the guys that you're talking about the Russian kid and the, the right winger plays for the U.S. development, right? So is it going to be one of those two? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Bedard's obviously going to go one, Fantilli will go two, and then Carlson three, and then you get some variety there four. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have, I think they have an opportunity. They really like the Russian kid. They met with him and his family, I think yesterday. Um, it's Matt Vaymichkov's his name. Now the variable with him is that he may not come over for two or three years. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. going on in Russia is a bit scary. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, but he is a superstar. So they, okay. they may mm-hmm. move up to get him or they may see if he's there at seven. If he's there at seven, I believe they'll take him. So. All right. If not, if not, I mean, I think you alluded to Ryan Leonard as the other guy. Got a lot of yes, Matthew Ryan Kachuk Leonard. in him. Um, yeah. You know, plays the game with that kind of reckless abandon, but very skilled. So, all right. It's the process. Hmm. It, process. In a way. I mean, they didn't purposely lose. They just lost because they weren't very good. <laughs> but we'll um, see, like, you know, what's going to happen with Carter Hart? Are they going to trade him? I mean, that's a big thing. So they got new sweaters though, Mike. They went back well, to the retro orange. Yeah, so, orange uh, all is well. Jason knows for the people that I used to call him Martinez. And the story behind that is a friend of mine, uh, I ran into him at the shore and he said, you know, I, I like that Hispanic guy you're producing the, the show now. I go, why who are you talking about? He goes, Martinez. I go, no, no, his name's Martinez. So from that moment on, you became Martinez. And I don't think he liked it very much, to be it honest with you. But it, 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 it was, was, my, it was my like uh, it was like a trade name for the show. Like it was right. you know, Mike and Martinez. You know, the guy yeah. could just use I didn't have to call you Jason and Martinez. It was it worked, I thought, better. Yeah, I did too. And you get faux Dutch that will call it Mikey Miss Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> Doing his Stephen A. <laughs> anyway, where was I going with this? Uh, anyway, I, I had I had a story I was going to attach to this with the Martinez thing, but uh, I kind of forgot it now. So 
Uh, well, you're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> you forget things. It goes down the drain. Yes. All right, boys. Well, Murgit was a guy that did not help with uh, obtain. So every chance he got, he'd play a drop that was Martinez in trouble. Yes. Mike Murgit, who we worked with initially on the show. Yeah. Yes. And, and he yeah, helped we used grease to use the skin. Really good drops back then. Yeah. We had the good drop. Because your favorite drop came from The Godfather. Oh, yeah, I can oh, see him no more. Won't see him no more. <laughs> I, yeah, I sent you that when Ivan Provorov got traded. I said, oh, Ivan yes. Provorov won't see him no yeah, more. Yeah, I have to go into Clemenza uh, and Pauly. Uh, but that, boys, but I also got a- the kiss my ass drop, Mike. And now Torts is here. That's right. That's I right. love Tor- him. Torrella, kiss my ass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he said the ass. <laughs> but that's the thing yeah. about radio, Mike and Jason. It's like I'll still get text from people. Like when somebody, you know, passes away or gets traded like that, I'll I'll get a text saying, oh, won't see him no more. Like it's it's permanently ingrained in people's vernacular, <laughs> yeah. you know, from 10 years ago. And I, I, that's the power of it. Yep. Yeah. That's why you were a good producer, Jason. You were quick on those drops. Oh, yeah. 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 That, that, was, hot, that was a skill. Hot, hot you didn't have many skills, but yeah, that was a good skill of yours. Yeah. Oh, no. uh, I mean, like Harry's get out, get out. And- well, I used to bust your onions every time you brought up the flyers, too. Are oh. we talking hockey now? Okay. <laughs> the hockey <Yeah>. minute. <laughs> the hockey minute. Yeah. But, but no, no, right, like, boys, you got to be able to take that. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was a pleasure to touch base with both of you. Continued success with the podcast. And uh, as we, we are all witness to this to this new communication world, we're all just yeah. out there trying to, trying to continue to make a dollar. Uh, yeah. I also do the swing it and ding it, Mike. The on iHeart, the the golf podcast oh, once a week. Golf podcast, yeah. Well, that's, that's been going. Sorry, that's been going for almost three years. Good luck. Yeah, that. yeah, that, yeah. That's cool. You got golf sponsors. Thanks. You have to get your golf sponsors for that. Oh yeah, and we we have an outing coming up July seventeenth over at the Legacy Club at Woodcrest. Look it's already you, sold man. out. Yeah. How's your golf it's game these days? Much better. Yeah. Much better. I have a lot of time to play. <laughs> My wife does well, Mike. You know. Good so. for you, man. Every time we life. try and book an episode, Mike, he's like, "Oh, I got a tea time at nine thirty. I got to, yeah. I got to work oh, around his golf schedule." Hey, listen, he's got the life that so many people want. The old ladies, that, as you would say, bringing home the money, and he's playing golf. Yeah, I like I got it. My old lady working hard too. I told her she can go out and get a raise if she'd like. <laughs> Fellas, Jason Martinez and Harry May, thanks for joining the Mike Misnelli podcast. Thank you, Mike. Great to be with you. It's the Mike Misnelli podcast. On the Bet Rivers Network. My old running buddy, Martinez, uh, and also Harry Mays. Good to talk to those dudes uh, after a, a long while as we go down memory lane a little bit. It's not time for Mike Unleashed. I get some interesting stuff in Mike Unleashed. They start with the College World Series. I was glued to it. I, I really was. I, those two teams are pretty good. And as I'm watching these players, these really good college players, and I played college baseball in the North. Playing college baseball in the South at a program like LSU and uh, uh, and Florida is a different animal. Those kids, I mean, every pitcher that they bring in is a 95 guy, right? I don't know how they find these players, but they got them all. You're watching that game. You watch three major league prospects that are going to be t- picked in the top three. So what happened last night, LSU unleashed the floodgates, and, and they win the all-deciding game three. 18 to 40, 24 hits. Now, I'm watching the game in Florida starting Zach Caglione and, uh, or Jack Caglione. I guess his name is Jack, J J A C. Uh, I'm going, my God, this guy's Otani. He's hit like 35 home runs during the regular season. He also throws 99. And I'm watching the first inning. He hits the first guy, and then he, th- he makes this lefty look silly with 99. And I'm going, this guy is unbelievable. Who's going to hit this guy tonight? And all of a sudden, second inning, he blows apart completely. To the point where we had to take him out of the game, and LSU uh, just exploded offensively. It looked like Florida ran out of pitchers. They were just teeing off on those guys. Uh, and so what I was thinking is, you know, I'm looking at every player in the team, good enough to start at LSU in Florida. And I'm going, there are really a lot of good players out there. And only a couple of these players are going to get a sniff at playing Major League Baseball. That's how good you have to be to be in the Major Leagues. These kids are accomplished college players. Now, they're helped by the metal bat, obviously. But these are all high-level, highly recruited players, and two or three of them have a sniff at Major League Baseball. And the three are that you watched in the game. Dylan Cruz, the center fielder for LSU, went four for six with a triple last night and has blinding speed. So apparently he's either going to be the first or second pick in the draft. And then there's Paul Skeens, a big old country-looking MF pitcher, 
from Louisiana. The kid looks like he's 35 years old. Didn't even have to pitch last night. Uh, and that was good for LSU because you don't want to hurt that kid. He's going to be number one pick in the draft. It's good that they didn't have to go to him. He did warm up in the game. And if Florida has the center fielder named Wyatt Lankford at a home run last night, he's going to be drafted in the top five, maybe even three. But there was a mystery about Skeens last night, whether he's going to come into this game. And if LSU was in trouble, maybe he would have come into this game. And he goes to the bullpen and he warms up. And I noticed that he was warming up with a softball. And I found that very interesting because I had mixed baseball with softball in my 20s. I was playing a lot of baseball league still, but I was also playing a high-level softball. And I always thought that after I threw a softball, the baseball felt like a pee in my hand, like a BB. I could rifle a baseball across the diamond. It's like, my God, softball does that? This guy, and I've never seen anybody else do it. He's warming up with a softball. So I did some research. The softball is bigger and heavier. It's 12 inches in circumference. You know what that means, Darren? Circumference. I know you probably flunk math, but circumference is the distance around the ball. Right? Uh, yours truly is the head coach of the All-Star uh, game for okay. my town tomorrow night. I know and, how and big the softball the is, is. seven ounces. <laughs> uh, the baseball, nine is the circumference and five ounces. So... Um, I know a lot of people say you, the weighted ball therapy is not good for you, but the softball would be good. That kid, that kid skis throws 100 miles an hour. If he's warming up with a softball, then, uh, you know, <laughs> and that works for him, <laughs> knock himself out. Yeah, it helps with stretching the hand out a little bit, too, so that you can work on your grip. Yeah. Your, well, uh, there you go. Paul Skeens, 100-mile-an-hour pitcher, big old country-looking dude, will probably be in the major leagues within three years the way he throws the ball. Uh, so look for uh, him to be drafted uh, early on. And, again, there's the one local kid, the kid from um, uh, Monsignor Bonner, who's going to be drafted in the first round. So look out for, for that kid. And congratulations to that kid. McGonagall is his name. I got a question for you about that, that LSU team, Mike. So real quick here. So mm-hmm. after every college football season – if there's a really good team, one of those Alabama teams in the last 10 years, the LSU team with Burrow, uh, Chase, and Jefferson, there's always that question where somebody really – it's usually an uneducated question. Could they beat an NFL team? And obviously, I, they would not. They would get clobbered in, in football. But I think that LSU team, man, is stat- they do everything well. They've got good pitchers. They throw in the high 90s. Could this LSU team beat – I don't know. The Oakland A's, two out of three. Dude, are you out of your mind? I'm are you ser- are you, is that a serious question? Yes, it is. Oh, no, stop it. Stop it. When you rise to a major league, I just got done telling you, a two or three are worthy of playing at the next level. How could they beat a team where everybody is qualified to play at the next level? They're using metal bats. Maybe. You can't really say that about Oakland, man. Like They just throw bodies in there. Oh, stop it. It's ridiculous. They're using metal bats, first of all. Second of all, the pitching at major league level is so much sharper than what they're seeing. Come on. I'm just saying. I think they can win a game. Smarten up. They can win a game. Smarten up. Smarten up. Ridiculous. All right. Let's move on. Number two in Mike Unleashed. Um, It's a media world angle. Sage Steele of ESPN. Very interesting. And very awkward. She still works for ESPN, right? She sues ESPN and Disney. Uh, they had come back with an offer of $501,000 to settle discrimination and retaliatory uh, lawsuit that she filed. Uh, and here's the story behind it. She turned down the offer, by the way. She wants more. The lawyer wants more. Um, she's a conservative anti-vaxxer. Uh, about a year or so ago on a podcast that was hosted by Jay Cutler, uh, she said that uh, she was talking about ESPN's Disney's vaccine mandate for all their employees. If they didn't get it, they were out of a job. Uh, and, and she said that, that that policy was sick and scary. So ESPN came in, forced her to apologize, and they suspended her. She refused to apologize. She filed in a lawsuit. <laughs> now, how awkward is this that she's working for ESPN? She's got a pending lawsuit against them. Uh, and she's under contract. I mean, what what happens here? Does ESPN renew her contract at the end of this, or what do they do? I don't know that they renew it, but man, it's a bad look if they just you know either hide her or 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 let her go. It's a really bad look for ESPN. But uh, well, she's still. On how the much air, longer so does she have on her contract? Do you know? I I don't even know, but she's still on the air, and I'm just thinking, yeah, it's got to be pretty awkward. Five hundred one thousand, huh? 
Ah, uh, it's chump change at ESPN. You know, they're trying to pay her all day. I don't think ESPN uh, says, all right, let's just give her this, and then we won't renew her contract. We won't feel yeah, as bad. Absolutely. If, they, if she would accept, she was definitely not getting her contract renewed. All right. Mike Unleashed, point number three. It's an Eagles note. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw this, but Devin Allen, who's uh, the fleet wide receiver out of Colorado, was in the Eagles practice squad, but he's also an Olympic hurdler. He ran uh, a couple days ago 13.04 in the 110-meter hurdles in a meet, which tied for the fourth fastest in the world this year. Now, here's the thing. The World Championships, which he desires to be in, they're in uh, Budapest, Hungary, August 18th to 27th, which would conflict with Eagles training camp. So what does the kid do here? Does does he get try to get permission to leave camp and train? Does he miss camp altogether? Does, I think it's got to be one or the other. You got to train for football. You can't be training for track and then doing football part time. So um, I got to be honest with you. The kid's 28 now. If I'm the kid, I take the track thing for all can go because he's still making money in track. They're paying him a lot of money. All right. These track athletes get paid a lot of money with endorsements. Endorsements. And such. Yeah. They make, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but. You know, maybe he, he can turn into something as a kickoff returner or whatever they want to use no. him at. So, well, what is the what is the proper solution here, Darren? I absolutely. You already said it. Take the track, bleed the track and field till you can't get any, anything else out of it. He's not going to start for this team. Yeah, he can run fast. Okay, he's not a football player. Am I not at the pro level? I would bleed the track and think thing all all he can get for it. All right, number four. I was at a concert this weekend. Now, um, I normally don't go back in time for concerts. But one of my all-time favorites in the New Wave era was a band called Tears for Fears. Now, you know the shout thing, but I know I'm deep. I have a deeper history with them because I had all their CDs. And I they were a very uh, or- orchestral, musical, uh, beyond just a New Wave hit type of band. They were, I, I've seen them before and they were spectacular. However, uh, I went to see them at the Hard Rock in Atlantic City. I think they're tremendously underrated musicians. Um, but the are two guys that front it, Roland Orzabal, Kurt Smith, are now older, especially Roland Orzabal, who has that unmistakable voice that really lifted Tears for Fears to great heights. Uh, and now he's got kind of a long gray hair and a straggly gray beard. And I got to be honest with you, it threw me off. Now, musically, the concert was great, but he just like an old guy, looked like an old guy waddling around out there. And I, is it me? I, I just can't, I, well, I can't go back in time. Once I know a band as uh, like these smooth English looking dudes with long, dark hair, and all of a sudden, Grandpa comes out, and uh, and he didn't sound any different. His voice is still amazing, but I couldn't, I couldn't get my uh, the vision disturbed me. I'll tell Darren, you why. am I off base here? No, you're not, because I'm looking at other, I'm thinking about other bands that have aged, and and that doesn't a jarring effect doesn't happen like the Stones. Like the Stones are still out touring. Keith Richards looks like he's 250 years old. Mick doesn't even look like he's less than 100 years old. But they've stayed around over time. The thing with Tears for Fears is they haven't. They, they don't pour a lot. Yeah, you haven't seen them, so it's like jarring. Yeah. Whereas you've watched the yeah. Stones or anybody else pick a band that's still around. Uh, you've watched them tour. You've watched them age. Tears for yeah. Fears has been in a box in the attic for the last twenty five years. Yeah, and then you see and, and I, listen, I, I, li- I, I like the concert. It was musically satisfying. I just couldn't get the, my image off of. of Roland Orzabal, who I really like back in the day uh, for various reasons. And now I just like look like an old dude uh, just waddling around out there. Now, uh, the opening act was Cold War Kids. Really good. Cold War Kids is a good band. If anybody hasn't heard of Cold War Kids, they're, they're a really good band. So they open. And that arena is pretty good, man. That arena the hard rock is pretty cool. All right. So, uh, speaking of music, let's stay with the music theme. I got two more music, uh, uh, Mike Unleashed. Uh, I was uh, listening to... Uh, a song on the radio that had the new wave station on and um, simple mind song came on of all the things she said, she said, it's like their third best hit. 
Of course, we remember him for Don't You Forget About Me, which the Breakfast Club made famous and alive and kicking. You know, so it's and I go, you know what? Whatever happened to that lead singer? His name was Jim Kerr. And I remember he had two famous wives. He first married Chrissy Hine, was the lead singer to Pretenders. And then he married Patty Kensett. You know who Patty Kensett is? She was, in, she was Mel Gibson's blonde South African love interest in one of the uh, uh, Lethal Weapons. Lethal Weapons 2. Yeah, yes, she, was also, she was yeah. also married to, to Liam Gallagher, or Noah Gallagher, one of them. Uh, from Oasis, right? A beautiful little blonde. And I go, man, this dude had two great wives. Whatever happened to Jim Kerr? Because he's not here. I'm recording Simple Mind. I don't, you don't hear. So I looked it up. What is he doing now? Jim Kerr runs a four-star hotel in Taormina, Sicily, called the Villa Angela. Wow. It's supposed to be that spectacular overlooking the water and the whole bit. And here, here's the here's the other thing. Uh, first of all, the hotel is on Via Leonardo da Vinci in Taormina, Sicily. <laughs> Secondly, my mother's family is from Taormina, Sicily. <laughs> so I not now I definitely have to make a pilgrimage to stay at the Villa Angela, hang out with Jim Kerr in Taormina as I'm researching my family's roots. And on Booking.com, $373 a night. That's, oh, that's not a bad price. That's damn cheap. By I'm way, going. How many rock stars, like, how many rock stars have a better post-music career than their actual music career? Like, they made it big. That's amazing. That's a great job. <laughs> I'm going to get there. I'm going to see him walking to hug a gym. Come on. Let's do alive and kicking. <laughs> Stay until you love it. <laughs> Same you anyway. don't play guitar. You could just follow him around all day with a guitar. I'll yeah, play, Tim. You you sing. Spectacular. I love it. It's stuff the stuff you find out is really interesting. All right, let's end this uh, uh Mike Unleashed with a story on uh Cardi B. I know it's one of your favorites, Cardi B, Darren. Now now uh, Cardi B, very, very bodacious Cardi B. So uh she apparently is the uh, her boyfriend is offset, but they must be having some problems. Offset is from uh the uh, uh, rap group Migos. What does she call and, him? Uh, off? Excuse off. me. What does she call him? Off. I, I don't know. She called probably. He's probably got a real name. Oh, but Seth? she calls him. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, like Seth. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, Offset comes out publicly and accuses Cardi B of of doing another man. Uh, I don't know if he's like paranoid or whatever it is, but Cardi B refutes it, and so here's what she said. First of all, let me say, you can't accuse me of all the things you knew you are guilty of. And then she goes on and say, listen, don't pay attention to that country man, y'all. Come on now. I'm Cardi B. Um, sometimes I think dudes forget I'm Cardi B. If I was giving this P to anybody, it would be out there. I'm not just anybody. <laughs> now, I got to be honest with you. She's got a point. She's got a point. If she was with another dude, I don't know this blabbing to his friend who's blabbing it, and then it gets on social media. So I'm with Cardi right here. She said, if I was giving this pee to anybody, it would be out there. And she's right. Yeah, don't let your dirty laundry on social media. I don't care if you're famous, infamous, or you know, that's just the worst. The worst. Oh All right, God. so that's Mike Unleashed for today. Okay. It's time for three questions for Mikey Miss. All right. Three questions for Mikey Miss. Question number one, Mike, you've covered a lot of athletes in your time. Um, give me an athlete that you absolutely detested while you were covering him. But now, speaking of post-careers, post-second uh, uh, level of career, now, now that he's older, maybe he's in the media, he or she, now that you, you like him or her now, like, you know what? I get this person now, but you detested him or her while you covered them. You know, it, it's probably Victorino. <laughs> Shane Victorino was a pain in the ass. Uh, but now he's kind of like friendly guy. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what that, that, that little punkishness that he had wore, wore off. And I see him now and, you know, and he seems okay. And we had him on the show, didn't we? Yeah, we, 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 had, him had, him on, we had him on the podcast when the Phillies were uh, either in the World Series or NLCS. 
Yeah. Yeah, we had him on the podcast. It, you know, he he and Burrow were paying the asses in in the locker room. I don't know about Burrow. He probably still paying the ass. But Victorino yeah. has kind of filed down a little bit. I could see that. I could see him uh, being a little bit uh, tough to cover when you, when he was younger. But he, he really is great. He he was really great to us. He seems like a great guy now. So good answer. Yeah, I mean, he was he was ADD. He was just all over the place. Yeah, uh, in the <laughs> locker room. Wasn't always the smartest baseball player on the diamond, but that's okay. No, he, he, he was ridiculously dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it was because of the ADD. He admitted it. he had you know, ADD problem. Yeah. Okay, that's question number one. Question number two. Give me a player that you covered that you swore that guy's going to go into coaching when he's on any sport, but didn't. But you always thought that guy should have been a coach. Or girl. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I guess uh, T.J. McConnell would be my answer to that. First of all, I really? I, it, it, I there there wouldn't have been a chance on earth that I I would think he would have lasted as many years in the NBA. Yeah. But when I looked at him, I go, yeah, okay, he's gonna be coaching somewhere. He's not gonna be like one of them Steve Wojciechowski dudes, and he's gonna be coaching some uh, some college program like you know Bobby Hurley. Right. I, I kind of thought he would be a, a coach as well because of his father's background. But yeah, uh, yeah to localize it, uh, it would be. Uh, T.J. Um, McConnell. T.J. McConnell. I used to get on T.J. McConnell a lot, and uh, and here's why. I I have never seen a white player in the in the NBA be unable to shoot a jump shot. <laughs> and and I, I swear to God, it, it's it's like the rarest species of all. If you're white and you're in the NBA. Chances are you you better be able to shoot a jump shot, well, what, and, and I don't mean that against the white guy. I'm just right. saying, you know, like he couldn't shoot a jump shot. He had like little alligator arms. He couldn't extend his arms to shoot a jump shot. I've never seen anything like it. He's a white dude. What did he do in high school? Did he shoot jump shots? Why do you think he stuck around so long? Then just being a smart player. Yeah, he's a spunky smart player. He defends a little bit. Can't shoot a jumper. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Question number three. Every every day I see a team with a different jersey on. Now they got the city uniforms. How do you feel about these? I know it's all cash grab. I get that. But, you know, alternate jerseys, city uniforms. I, li- I like them. I like them, except the Colorado Rocky. I don't know who designed that one. That was bad. The Colorado Rockies one was the worst I've ever seen. It had the green green and green with a, with a white mountain. It, was, it, it looked yeah. slow-pitch softballish. Like, if you're going to design something like that, make it nice. That was horrible. But I like it, John. I like a different design on a uniform. I don't mind it, uh, but they better be good. Like if you if you told me the you know, Phillies could only wear the red yeah, pinstripes, I'd be fine with that. Really, I don't, like the guy designed that Colorado Rockies uniform. If I'm in the front office and he brings that in, I go, eh, no. Somebody greenlit that. But the whole organization agree with it. I'm going. How can one guy agree with it? Yeah. All right. All right. That's three questions for Mikey Miss. All right. Uh, that'll close it down for today. Uh, thanks again to Jason Martinez and Harry Mays. Uh, and thanks to the people at Bet Rivers for bringing you this podcast. I love Bet Rivers and I love my people at Natural Lawn. Well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I mowed yesterday before the torrential rains came. It's a good thing I did because this rain's making the grass grow like crazy out there. That's why you need Natural Lawn. Yeah, that grass, you're going to have the good roots when it rains like this. It doesn't drown the roots, it's healthy and you have a good lawn. So check it out at naturallawn.com. All natural ingredients. Uh, all right, don't forget about my Friday video blog. We're going to give away swag, I, and I'm not—I'm disappointed in you, folks. I—I—I uh, I, I, I want you on my to look at my Friday video blog, uh, and we're going to give away swag, which is cool. Mike Missnelli podcast hats and shirts. You gotta see people. Sound off was easier. People, all you do is pick up a phone and record a message. People don't like to write an email. Just sit down and write an email. I don't care if it's grammatically correct. Just write something. Give write a thought and and get it to me at mike at mikemiss.com. And if it's if it's if it's compelling enough, I'm gonna send you swag. It's real easy. Uh and uh, look at my video blog. And oh one thing, I got a cameo to do today. You can get a sh- personal shout out from me on cameo.com. Just go to cameo, C-A-M-E-O.com. And uh, you get a personal shout out. A lot of people hit me up for a wedding congratulations, a birthday congratulations, Father's Day, stuff like that. L- old listeners that just want to shout out. It's pretty cool. And I give you your money's worth, man. I, I talk to you. I, I find out stuff about you. I use facts that uh, it's presented to me by the person who's buying the cameo for you. 
So uh, hit me up on Cameo. I'll send you a personal shout out. I have to do one today. As a matter of fact, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, MikeMiss25. And don't forget about the winery, Natalie Vineyards and Cape May Courthouse. So many people I've talked to that I tell uh, I'm a part owner of Natalie Vineyards and Cape May Courthouse say, oh, I, I know that place. I, I've, I've ridden back, that, I've ridden past that place. Well, stop in. Tell them you know me. It'll give you a glass of wine at a cheaper price. You can't go wrong. It's a great wine. We're making some great wines at Natalie Vineyards. All right, anything else, Darren? Uh, Todd Zalecki on Thursday talking Phillies as we approach the All-Star break. All right. Sounds good. Everybody have a great rest of the night. Stay dry out there, and we'll talk to you Thursday. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissonelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.